Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. from Chiang Mai, Thailand. It's really good to be with you today. I'm here in front of my house. Since I'm working from home, it gives me an opportunity to show you where I live. We live at number seven, Ratanakosin, in a home that's called Soi Utitsatan. It was donated by a woman named Soi to McGilvery College of Divinity for use by missionary families. We have a huge yard that's like an oasis in the middle of Chiang Mai with big rain trees, lots of bamboo, and just lots of room to breathe and enjoy the beauty of God's creation. We have a spacious downstairs where Rob and I eat. Grandkids used to play under the stairs. My workout mat, which I now do at home. And a comfortable couch. And a great place to watch TV. We also love having our daughter's artwork around us all the time. She's an artist in Germany and is still able to sell her art online during this time. Four bedrooms upstairs and a wonderful office that still needs lots of decluttering, but which I really love. But because we only have one room with air conditioning, our bedroom, that is where I work from home. Our scripture for today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. On the night of his betrayal and arrest, Jesus is trying to help his disciples cope with the looming crisis of his crucifixion. He's letting them know that he knows what's happening, and he knows what he is doing. He is going to prepare a home for them, and he tells them that he wants them to work from that home. Let's work our way through this scripture. John 14, 1 through 14. In the first verse, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus is going to be crucified. <clears throat> not what the disciples had imagined his triumph as the Messiah to be. They'd been hoping he would triumph over their oppressor, Rome. Jesus knows their hearts will be troubled. But he says, Don't be afraid. Choose faith over fear. I'm with you and I know what I'm doing. This is what God says over and over throughout the story of his people. Don't be afraid. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. Jesus goes on, In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am, 
there you may be also. We usually hear this at funerals, and we're told that Jesus is preparing a home in heaven for us, and that is true, but perhaps not as we've imagined it. What I want to suggest today is that Jesus wants us to start living in that heavenly home now. That he was on his way to prepare that home through the cross and resurrection. Dallas Willard, uh, an ethicist at the University of Southern California for many years, says this, eternal life is not something that you get after you are dead. Eternal life is a way of living now even as we are alive. He says, sometimes I think it would help us if instead of talking about eternal life, we talked about eternal living. Eternal living is a matter of living a life so intertwined with the life of God that your life is a part of God's life. He says, consider John 17, 3. Eternal life is knowing God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Willard says, the knowing that Jesus describes here is not cognitive, knowing what the answers are. He says, knowledge biblically and in life generally is a matter of interactive relationship. Jesus knows that his suffering death on the cross and his resurrection will end the power of sin and begin the healing of the whole creation from its alienation from the creator. He's come from the Father and will return to the Father, and his desire is to bring us home to the Father with him daily. But the disciples aren't clear on this yet. Jesus says, and you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? I find it so comforting that the disciples who've pretty much been living with Jesus 24-7 for three years, are still clueless when it comes to what Jesus is about. There's hope for me. I can ask my questions. I can still be getting to know Jesus better after years of following him. One of the fun things about being together in lockdown with my husband of nearly 40 years has been getting to know new things about him. I never knew he is not a morning person. There were clues, but now there is clarity. I'm glad to know him better. And similarly, I can keep getting to know Jesus better. Our text goes on. Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Where is Jesus going? He's going to the Father, and he wants to bring us home to the Father. And now we are encouraged by a second disciple who is also hungry to understand more. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? This is the home that Jesus wants to welcome us into. 
He wants us to join him in his relationship with the Father. This is the home that Jesus works from. He goes on to say, The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus is revealed as the Messiah through signs, demonstrations of healing and power that show he comes from God. Jesus makes clear that he has been able to do these works of power as a human being because the Father is in him. It is God working in him and through him. And he goes on to say some of the most challenging words ever. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. It may be tempting to just check out at this point. We will do greater works than Jesus? I'm not even close to doing the kind of things he did. And experiencing a kind of prayer that gets answered consistently with God doing what I ask for? I may do, be doing a bit better on that one, but not 100%. So shall we decide that Jesus is living in some kind of fantasy land and doesn't know what he's talking about? Many have decided that. But what if Jesus does know what he's talking about and we have the opportunity to develop the kind of relationship with him and the Father that would put us on track to do some pretty amazing things and to see our prayers answered consistently? Brain research pioneer Daniel Siegel describes Mindsight in his book by the same title. This is how one brain knows what is going on in another brain. A Christian psychologist named Jim Wilder has delved deeply into brain science over the past two and a half decades, and he's worked to integrate that science with his Christian faith. And Jim says, when two minds tune their mind side on each other, it creates a state of mutual mind. This state is what makes it possible for us to cooperate from teamwork to intimacy. It impacts our energy, motivation, and identity. And Jim goes on to ask, are mutual mind states only possible between humans? Can we have a mutual mind state with God? It would only be possible if God is with us and if God limited divine thoughts to a form we could understand. And if we had this real-time mutual mind with God in each situation, we would respond as God would respond. This would mean we would think with God, not simply about God. It would change our identity and our character. I believe that this describes the relationship that Jesus had with the Father, and it describes the home that Jesus is inviting us to work from, at home with him, in an intimate mind-sharing relationship with God, in which we think God's thoughts, feel God's feels, want what God wants, and have the energy and motivation to do what God wants. This is the eternal life that Jesus makes available to us now. 
the eternal living that Dallas Willard talked about. Living a life so intertwined with the life of God that our life is a part of God's life. Working out of this heaven on earth home, we can probably do greater works than Jesus did. And I think this is what Jesus had in mind when he told us to pray in his name. He didn't mean for us to add in Jesus' name to our prayers as a magic formula, but to tune our hearts and our minds to his mind and pray for what he wants. This is the kind of relationship with God that I want, to work with God, doing the work God wants done in the world in God's way and with God's power. Blessedly, like the disciples, we get lots of grace and time to grow in this. During the past year, I had the privilege of encouraging a small group of Christian women counselors in their successful efforts to establish the Christian Counseling Association, Thailand. They call it CCAT. The process required the approval of the governor of Chiang Mai province. After his second refusal to sign, my friend Ying, who is one of the most energetic and optimistic people I know, was ready to throw in the towel. Maybe this wasn't God's will after all. But she called her friend Oi and asked her to listen to God for her. Should they continue to pursue establishing the association or just give up? The next day, Oi was walking back home from class and observed a father teaching his little girl to ride a bike. The little girl was wobbly on her wheels, but dad was helping to steady the bike and run alongside and was pointing ahead and encouraging his daughter, keep looking ahead, keep looking ahead. And Oi sensed that God was sharing God's mind. Tell Ying, I'm with her. I see that it's hard, but keep looking ahead. Keep going. And with that encouragement, Ying persisted. And on the third request, the governor signed the approval and CCAT was born on November 12th, 2019, just in time for the pandemic. An incredible opportunity to serve Thai people. Well, Ying partnered with a tiny Christian organization called iChurch. They help churches and Christian ministries create internet platforms and to help them use them effectively. They created a platform whereby CCAT can offer free counseling by phone or video to hurting Thai people. CCAT recruited Christians trained as counselors who are willing to offer the time they can to this effort. Please pray that this service will help people to have hope and know that they are not alone in their suffering. Help them access the resources that do exist and to persist in the face of huge challenges. Could this be one of the greater things that Jesus was talking about us doing? Could your prayers align with God's mind so that God would gladly answer them? To date, Thailand has handled the pandemic in a rather astonishingly amazing way. When the first case was discovered in January, a Chinese tourist, we live almost next door to China. And at that time, there were one million Chinese tourists in Thailand. It was predicted that Thailand would be hugely impacted. I was concerned, but to date, only 60 deaths from COVID in a country of 70 million people. There are a number of reasons for this, and I just posted a 
really helpful YouTube explanation of why on Facebook. But one of the main reasons is excellent public health care in Thailand, which grew out of a student movement uprising in the early 70s. Medical students then were committed and made it happen, and today there are one million volunteer public health workers, mostly older people who know and love their communities and who are regularly trained. They've done outstanding work tracing contacts. Physicians in Thailand also were experienced in dealing with SARS and bird flu and HIV and started using retrovirals early on. This seems to have helped immensely. And the public has generally cooperated with the lockdown. But the economic fallout is huge already and going to be longer and deeper than the downturn in 2007 and 8. Because Thailand deeply depends on the world economy and that is being so profoundly affected by the pandemic. What's on God's mind for our response to this crisis? What opportunities for deep change might God have in mind? At Piop University where I teach, we were already a school in crisis. The birth rate in Thailand has fallen steadily for the past 30 years. The number of universities has expanded hugely. Enrollment is down from 10,000 in the year 2000 to under 3,000 this year. With COVID, what's going to happen? This is an opportunity for us to make deep needed changes, restructuring, reducing administrative positions, learning to teach online. The crisis is helping motivate staff to work hard for our survival, even when salaries are being reduced this month. And our parent foundation, the Church of Christ in Thailand, is providing some much needed support. The future is unsure. We are in crisis. And Jesus' word is still, don't be afraid. I am with you. Trust me. I know what I'm doing. For me personally, the pandemic has been unsettling, but it's also provided an amazing new opportunity. Because I'm working from home, I have time to start a garden, something I've wanted to do for a long time. And a couple months ago, I read about a family in Pasadena who grew 7,000 7, pounds of vegetables on one-fifth of an acre using permaculture, a way to study how God designed nature to work and working with God's ways to be very fruitful and productive. At about the same time, my son Paul, pounding away out there, and his fiancée, Dolly, got uh, were out of work because they're involved in the tourist industry. They were both really interested in permaculture and agreed to our proposition to hire them to come and help us create a permaculture homestead. They are loving it and it is really blessing our relationships with them. Learning and using permaculture, regenerative farming, has the potential to bring significant healing to the planet and increase economic resilience for individual families and communities. The dean of our seminary, where I teach, is dreaming with me about the possibilities that this permaculture project might offer for our students in the future to value creation care and learn or further develop their gardening skills for future use in their ministries. On the night of his betrayal and arrest, 
Jesus was trying to help his disciples cope with the looming crisis of his crucifixion. He let them know that he knew what was happening and he knew what he was doing. He was going to prepare a home for them. Through the cross and resurrection, he would begin the reconciliation of all creation to himself. He would make it possible for them to enter fully into his own relationship with the Father through the Spirit, to share the mind of God, to be welcomed into the amazing love among the Father, Son, and Spirit, and to be empowered to work from that home of love, to work with God in that work of reconciliation. Jesus is inviting us to work from that home too.